0: Welcome back to That Entrepreneur Show. I'm your host, Vincent A. Lancy, And I'm Mark Butler. Whether you are looking to start or scale your business, this is the show for you. Each week, I interview a different entrepreneur from across the globe. I will continue to offer episodes in all industries to provide you with many different perspectives. You never know which motivational journey will inspire you most. Each guest will take you through their story and help you learn from their successes and lessons learned. My guest on the show this week is someone who heard the show and reached out to join our community of entrepreneurs. The show visits Utah for the first time to meet Mark Butler. Looking at him now, you'd never expect that he used to struggle with the financial side of business ownership. He has previously founded three online businesses that brought in close to $2 million in total revenue, but he always felt broke as he had no idea how to manage his money. After selling those businesses, Mark devoted the next year to learning financial management, both to get himself out of debt and to ensure his next company would thrive, and this kicked off a journey of self-discovery. With his current company, Mark has helped many coaches out of the cycle of drawing down their savings and building up debt, feeling deeply ashamed, not investing in the business anymore, and the business not growing due to lack of investment. We're going to talk about fear, financial freedom, and so much more. So allow me to now introduce Mark Butler. Mark, thank you so much for joining the show.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Vincent. I'm uh, I'm excited to be chatting with you.
0: Likewise, would you mind now please taking the time to introduce yourself to our listeners and previewing your story just a bit without giving away too much of your entrepreneurial journey?
1: Yeah, so I'm Mark Butler and my first entrepreneurial kind of activities were probably all the way back in 2005 with some different online businesses. Um, And in 2008, I was able to leave my sales job at a full-time sales job at the time and become a full-time online entrepreneur. And that worked out for about, let's see, about four years. But at the end of those four years, had a lot of great lessons, had made a pretty good living, but kind of limped away from the experience without maybe as much, uh, as much financial progress as I would have hoped for.
0: I'm excited to see what really went on to creating this big brand with that being the focal point. But now, was your business always in Utah? Did you live somewhere else before?
1: I've been in Utah. Yeah, I've been in Utah for the last 20 plus years. And so everything entrepreneurial I've done has been been here.
0: I'm excited for you to bring that perspective to the show today. So thank you again for coming on. And I think it is now a great time to hop into the Big Five. Each episode, my guest and I will go over these five questions to help you, the listeners, learn what it's really like to be an entrepreneur. You ready to go, Mark? Absolutely. Yes. Great. So you may have previewed the beginning of your journey, but now looking forward to finding out that exact moment. Would you mind now please sharing when you realized you weren't happy with what you were doing and you needed to start being on your own?
1: You know, I've done it twice. So I spent the first four years of my working life in a, in a commission-only sales job and then became a sales leader within that company, a sales trainer. And I love the commission based experience. It was really good for me to, I think it was great preparation for being an entrepreneur. Right. But eventually I realized that I wasn't as excited as I had once been about the product I was selling. And I knew that I wanted to do things my own way and I wanted to make my own, my own go of it. And I partnered up with a great guy. We had kind of similar values. And so basically it was a desire to be more autonomous and have more say over what I was selling and how I was selling it. Um, and ultimately, more upside in my in my income. That was the first time. After I sold those businesses at the end of 2012, I think we'll talk more about that. Um, I went to work for my good friend at his company and he gave me a great job. It was an amazing time. Really good for my mental health to kind of reset, have Absolutely. that paycheck coming in. But after about a year and a half of that, I had that itch again. I had that itch to be self-employed and I knew that I was never going to be fully satisfied until I was totally back out on my own. My wife was very supportive of me. She knew, she knows I'm kind of wired for self-employment more than for traditional employment. So she encouraged me to leave that great job and go back out on my own. And that's that's when the first version of the, this business that I have today is it's what, it's how it was born. It was my decision to leave that comfortable job and go be self-employed again.
0: And that's the two-sided coin. It's so nice to just go to work, get a check on Friday. And on Friday at five, that's it. Your email, you don't check. Your phone, you don't check. As entrepreneurs, and I'm sure you can relate, the weekends aren't always my off day. The Saturday and Sunday sometimes and usually are my most busy day because there's zero distractions and I'm able to really hone in on what I can get done. But since you made that jump to being on your own for that second time, what would you say the two most difficult parts of entrepreneurship are for you?
1: I know that I know the number one is focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like probably all entrepreneurial people have a lot of ideas. And once you have a little taste of launching new things and bringing a new idea to life, you find that that's exhilarating. It's exhilarating every time. So, in a world where we're able to all do such interesting things on the internet and there's such low barriers to entry, right. the hardest thing for me in the world is to say no to good ideas. That, and I... I don't I don't say no often enough. I think I would be I think I would probably be farther down the track with certain projects if I said no to some of my good ideas. It's the problem is not the bad ideas, right? The problem is the good ideas. The ideas where you say, "Actually, I really can see how that would work. I know who I would sell it to. I know how I would sell it. That sounds fun. That sounds interesting and exciting. I'm going to go for it." Those end up being the things that can slow me down in my progress because I'm dividing my resources. So that's the first thing is the focus.
0: Yeah. Your most valuable resource is time. And when you're really into something and you put forth hundred percent, it's going to take a lot of time out of your day. So I could see how that took away from some of your projects. What was the second one you had for us?
1: The second one is knowing when to hire and how to hire. Great and, choice. And, and being an effective manager and leader. Um, This is, I think, my biggest growth area. My biggest opportunity for growth is when I started being self-employed, I really didn't have any interest in having any employees and I resisted it for a long time for years. Um, But now I have a team of five. I've just, I had a team of three and I've just added two more people.
0: Congratulations.
1: Yeah, thanks. And it is fun and they're great people, but it's interesting to watch myself kind of stress out and get anxious because i've You're got these people out. and i've got to pay them and i've got to lead them and manage them and provide them with a job that they're excited about and help them develop. And so i think when you first hire people in a in an entrepreneurial venture, your mind is really on task completion. Just like okay, here's this task list that needs to be done. I'm going to give it to this person and have this, them complete it. And i've done that for a few years. I did that for a few years, but now i'm in the phase where I'm hiring the kind of people who have their own ideas and their own ability to contribute. And I'm having to learn how to not just assign tasks, but to actually collaborate with these great people. And I will admit, it's not easy for me. It's been a really, it's been a growing experience and there's a lot of work left to be done. So those for me, those are the two toughest things.
0: I enjoy how you put it there. And the first episode of this current season, guess was David Jets, he said, As you evolve, there's just new tasks that come to mind, new things, new stresses that you're talking about come to mind, problems you didn't have before. So it's great to see you come to five employees. That is a great accomplishment. And now your brand is growing again for yet another entrepreneurial experience. But overall, these experiences here, Mark, what was your greatest failure or lessons learned? And what did it teach you? Why is it still stuck with you all the way up until today?
1: You know, I think my greatest failure goes back to one of the businesses I had between 2009 and 2012. And it was a business that I, it was another business I actually had started with my brother, who's a, he's a programmer and kind of a WordPress specialist. He he sort of learned to program in the WordPress environment. And he and I started a service that was a WordPress backup and security service, which I think now are pretty common. But when we started this in 2000. 10 2011 we were one of the first yeah. and we found traction you know we got up to where we had like 300 customers wow. and we had a we had a nice niche where we were supporting agencies who managed multiple wordpress sites and we had this great little niche and i think my biggest failure there was not recognizing that my role in that partnership was really to go out and generate awareness for our business and and be in charge of marketing my brother was doing a great job with the with the product right And I think my greatest failure is not giving that project the marketing attention it deserved because we ended up selling it and we sold it to a company called Automatic, which is the company behind WordPress. They're the creators of WordPress. We sold them the company. Awesome. We sold them for an amount to sold it for an amount of money that made for kind of a fun month, but it wasn't an amount of money that was like, yeah, great. We're retired now. Okay. So what we My takeaway was if I had focused more on the marketing and the growth of that business, we might've been able to sell that that company for three to five times as much. And that would have been a much different day. That would have been like, oh, okay, we got some capital now. What do we want to do with it? As it was, it was like, that was fun. Now we got to go get a job. So I think my greatest failure is, again, it goes back to focus. But in that case, it was specifically focusing on marketing the thing that people were excited to buy from us because we knew they were excited. I just didn't do a good enough job of helping more people become aware of it.
0: Marketing is the thing that can push your business to new levels and I'm learning that late. Unfortunately, as a solopreneur, the marketing budget is always there. The budget is what it is. So I really have had this organic growth over the seven years of entrepreneurship and now of the self-help books I read I read the one-page marketing plan with Alan Dibb and that kind of retransformed everything I was doing, which was great because I have gotten some gigs based off of that. And even for this show, for everybody listening, The Power of Networking, I enjoyed his book so much. I reached out to him and I said, hey, because I know he's a um, multiple entrepreneurship guy, multiple businesses. I said, hey, I loved your book. Would you mind hopping on the show? And he hopped on for episode 100 a little while ago. Nice, and very nice. Yeah, it's pretty cool, but I know you also like to learn your career reader, career learner as an entrepreneur. If you could choose to have a conversation and learn from any entrepreneur dead or alive, who would you choose? Uh,
1: you know, it's an interesting it's interesting timing for this question because, you know, I, I read all the big names, you know, I you know, Musk, Elon Musk's bi- uh, biography and learn about Bill Gates and and you know, some of the guys from the early 1900s and 1800s and a lot of amazing people there. Right now, where you've caught me is there's a specific entrepreneur who, he's a coach. He's he's a, he's a life coach. Uh-huh. And his name is Steve Hardison. And some of my clients started to talk to me about Steve and reminded me of him and sent me to his website. And the reason I would want to talk to him right now is that he is charging more for coaching than anybody I've ever come across. He's charging. If you go to his website on his coaching page, his top coaching program he listed as between 200,000 and $200, a million dollars per year for coaching. And that's so far outside of what I consider possible at this point that I would. I'm, he is like, a, I think he has a two hour coaching engagement that's like $5,000. I'm considering paying it just because I want to ask him, like, how do you become a guy who puts, 200 grand on a website as your coaching fee. That people pay and I actually through, through networking, someone told me they're like, they're like, it's, he doesn't just put that on his website. I know someone personally who has paid him several hundred thousand dollars for a year of coaching. And I was like, I got to talk to this guy at some point because his brain is obviously doing something that my brain isn't doing yet. And so anyway, my answer today is is uh, Steve Hardison.
0: I want to have you delve a little deeper here, and obviously, yeah, what he does to justify a six figure plus fee per year, I would love to learn that as well. But if you could pick a place for this meeting to go down, where would it be? Describe the scenery for us.
1: Oh, that's interesting because in in his case, I happen to know one of the interesting things about this guy is that if you coach with him. He requires you to come to his house to do it. He lives in Arizona, which sounds great to me, beautiful place. Um, but I think it's one of the most interesting things about how he runs his business is not just that he charges these otherworldly fees. It's that if you coach with him, you have to go to his house every time. So about five years ago, I had one of my highest earning clients say she wanted to hire him. And she told me, well, the fee is going to be 150000 And I said, okay, well, you can afford it. She was a person who could make that payment. Um, And I was her CFO. So she's asking me for sort of budget approval. And she said, it's 150,000. I was like, all right, fair enough. And she said that the catch is, I'd be coaching with him once a week, and I have to go to his house to do it. So I'd have to get on a plane every week, fly to Arizona to go meet with him for two hours and then fly home. And I was like, who, who is this man? What is going on here? How is he doing this? Anyway, so that would be the scenery. It would be at his house, apparently, however often we met, it would be there.
0: Now I'm going to have to look a little more into your choice today, because that is just incredible what he's able to charge and I guess thrive with. But now at this time, I'd like to look into the future here, Mark, let's look at your entrepreneurial endeavors one year and five years from today, one year from today, what are we seeing from Mark Butler?
1: You know, the number one thing I'm thinking about on a, on a one year time horizon is these five employees. Uh, I've got these five team members and they're really great people they have a ton to, they have a ton of value to add my one year project is to figure out how to really collaborate with them and help them help them be more useful in growing the business instead of instead of acting like everything's got to be me that you know making myself the bottleneck in the business basically so that's my one year plan i don't know exactly how that will translate into revenue for example sure. um, But we have a good business model and we have great people to support it. We have these great five people to support it. So a year from now, I want the team to be humming and I want the current business to be requiring less and less of me on a daily basis because I've empowered them to take more ownership of what they're doing. And that'd be my one-year goal.
0: Are we going to see just this existing project in one year? Will we be seeing a second project or is that more five years, maybe something new?
1: So right now there are two... Okay. Well, if I'm being honest, there are four projects. <laughs> well, <laughs> one is Let's Do the books.com. That's my bookkeeping business for life coaches and uh, online business owners. And it's also a CFO service. We have uh, Amanda, who's kind of my co-CFO in the business. Amanda serves a lot of our clients now. She does a great job. So, Let's Do the books.com A year from now, should be thriving with Amanda taking on more clients, maybe adding a second CFO besides me. And and having that thing just really hum. It's really in good shape now. I think a year from now, it can be really dialed in. A second project is something that I'm doing called Money School. Money School is more personal finance focused. It's uh, sort of combining my love of life coaching with my love of finance and helping people kind of reframe the way they think about money and take a little different approach to their money. So we have launched our first cohort of Money School and i um, super excited to deliver that experience a year from now. Uh, as a team, we've talked about a year from now, having, having had 100 people go through our money school experience within the next year. Super excited about that. And then the other things are, I am a CFO for seven or eight businesses right now. My team supports me in that, but I'm, I am actually the guy for those seven or eight businesses that will continue to thrive. And then the fourth thing is I do some coaching. I do some people reach out to me and say, Hey, I don't really need you as my CFO, but I would love to have your eyes on my business and be able to talk through things. So, could I hire you just for sort of a, a coaching engagement? And I do that as well. A year from now, I would like all of those things to be continuing to thrive and having. Th- the way I'm thinking about it, Vincent, is that a year from now, I'd like to be spending the vast majority of my time in thousand dollar plus per hour tasks. Sort of, I think I still spend too much time in sort of hundred dollar per hour minutia or fifty dollar per hour minutia, and I think with this team in place. A year from now I want to be more the $1,000 per hour guy in the business.
0: I think you're certainly on your way there because you finally have brought on the other people. I understand the resistance. I have had some difficulty of late trying to bring on some interns as far as helping with the social media efforts for the podcast shows. But as far as when you want things done on time, no one can guarantee that but you. No one can mm-hmm. guarantee things will get done unless you do them as well. So I can certainly relate to the hesitation that you had. To bring them on but it has been an amazing episode so far no doubt about that i think it's a great time to now get into the spotlight story on each episode i share the entrepreneurial journey to inspire our listeners and i would love your take on this one as we have a finance related entrepreneur on the show today i will now share the story of another in andy rockleff he co-founded the venture capital firm benchmark capital in 1995 and in 2005 he retired to focus on giving back, beginning by teaching technology entrepreneurship courses at Stanford, where he became a, trust fee, a trustee also at the University of Pennsylvania, where he attended undergrad and also funding cancer research with his wife. Then in 2008, he had a revelation from his experience on the Penn Endowment Board about investing advice and accidentally founded a new company to do it. This is what had me really find the article in Wealthfront, which began as an automated investment service management and has since expanded into banking and it currently offers one of the highest interest rates on FDIC insured cash accounts manages almost 15 billion in assets and he's the CEO of that company Mark what do you like best about his story
1: When I see when I see Andy's story what it makes me think is that sometimes when as as entrepreneurial people we we think that we might have an idea that's totally outside of our area of familiarity let alone expertise. And it's not, not that you can't go be successful in a totally new, unfamiliar, unfamiliar project, unfamiliar area. Um, but sometimes, it, you'll, you know, an example would be, I'll talk to people sometimes who are, they have some professional background, um, nursing or welding or whatever it is. They have some sort of trade expertise. And they say, but what I really want to do is I want to start an online business that's totally unrelated to what I'm doing. And I always say, look, you can do it. Lots of people have. But if you could find a way to make use of the experience and the expertise you already have, you probably make things a little easier on yourself. I think that's what Andy did. Andy was so deep in the finance world that the, it was all already in his head. And so when he saw an opportunity that opportunity was clear to him and he, he had a better sense of how to make that work than other people would because of the experience that he brought to the idea. So what I like about it is he found a way to do something creative and dynamic within an area where he already had interest and expertise.
0: I really enjoy the perspective you just provided there. I think you hit it head on. I think as technology evolves, time goes on, trends change, you have to keep up with everything. And I think that's really what WellFront did But Mark, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. I know our listeners are going to see all the value in your episode. I loved how I was able to resonate with you right from the beginning, the big five. You're both difficult parts of entrepreneurship relate to everyone. And I love how you brought an unfamiliar entrepreneur to myself to the table and why. And I think that's really what every entrepreneur wants to grow to, to where they control their price with no problem and they have people willing to really pay anything to sit down and speak with you. But I think it's a great time for the last word. And I also do this on my other podcast series as well, because I want my listeners to really get to know the guests I bring on this show. Is there something that you would like to share, Mark, that we did not touch on yet today?
1: Um, no, I think that, I think we covered it. I think, I think that if people will work on their, on their biggest areas of difficulty and get, get help with those things, then if they combine that with some focus over a period of time, I know they're going to be successful.
0: Great advice to round out the show. Would you now mind please taking the time to share your professional social media website? Any ways for our listeners to either request your services or follow your endeavors?
1: Yeah, the two, the two easiest things would probably be uh, let's do the books.com. That's our that's our bookkeeping service and CFO service for uh, online coaches and online entrepreneurs. And and then if you want to find me on social media, I'm at markbutler.com on Instagram. That's markbutler.com all spelled out and um, come hang out with me there.
0: Be sure to check out all his great content. There is a ton of value there and it is also social media time for the show. And we're on whichever platform you like to use. We're at that entrepreneur show on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. And on Twitter, we're at podcasts by Lancey. So you have updates from this show and a mental health break. Of course, my handles are at Vincent A. Lancey for all social media and YouTube. And my website is vincentalancy.com. If you check out my books, DM me. I would love to hear from you all. We have Mr. Lancy Talks Mental Health, Left for Dead, A Story of Redemption, and How to Transform Your Mindset When the Norm Is Changed. All are on my website now. As always, I will end the show with a quote that inspired me and know it will for you too. And this one is from Andy Rockleff, the entrepreneur from today's Spotlight story. He said, I learned very early on that when it comes to investing your money, what feels right is usually the completely wrong thing to do. And the less you do, the better off you will be. A good example of this is when people sell their investments during times of market volatility. There's decades of research to show if they do nothing and keep their investments, they will be much better off. Yet we can't help ourselves. And I think that quote directly applies to the time period we are in right now. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you all on the next episode of That Entrepreneur Show.